One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to an exclusive podcast i'm your host rick shields here with guy producer guy and we have got a world exclusive today and it's a, an exciting one guy i'm very excited more so that you've let me out the office and yeah. we're in a nice location we are in a different location because we have got a sit down podcast interview with the man behind the premier golf league andy gardner thank mm. you so much for sitting with us pleasure this is a uh, this wasn't the plan, was it? You, we weren't expected no. to be aired the master man behind the Premier Golf League this early, right? No, um, it wasn't the plan. The plan was to carry on really just doing what we've been doing for the last six years, which is to have conversations discreetly um, and see where we got to. But actually, yes, thanks to a couple of individuals, um, we became a matter of public record probably about 10 days ago. Um, and here we are now. So we'll go easy on you. Thank you. <laughs> is that the plan? <laughs> yeah, well, my first question is, I've yeah. seen, obviously, some bits online, yeah. but what is the Premier Golf League? Okay, so it is a concurrent team and individual world championship. Um, concurrent in the sense that there'll be 48 guys playing. They'll play every week as individuals, so nothing changes. Mm-hmm. It's an individual sport. Um, they'll also, at the same time, they'll be playing for 12 teams 12 teams of four um it's 18 events it'll start in january each year and it'll be finished in august so you've got a, a shorter season than people are used to and it means they'll you know, there'll be the opportunity for fans to miss our play for four months and players to have a rest um they'll be playing 10 times in the u.s and eight tournaments outside um there'll be three in asia three in europe one in Australia and one in the Middle East. Um, as individuals, they'll be playing every weekend for a purse of $10 million. Um, nice. Yeah, it's nice. It's probably also what they're worth. Um, and after 17 events, you'll have an individual world championship champion named um, and worthy of the name because they'll have played the best players in the world every week um, during the season different courses different climates it's a it's a true test of the best um and then you move into the 18th event which is the team playoffs because what will have happened every day of every tournament and by the way this is three days not four and there's no cut um wow interesting and is (laughs) that the idea to keep the best players in the world you know in a tournament in contention in in play for the fans right yeah because you know 
essentially we are just fans. This is that's where this began. I was gonna I was gonna come with that. I think okay. we'll come on to that a little bit more yeah. where it all started. Yeah. But going back to the, the team element, the team championship on the final 18th event. Yeah. So that's something that we've never seen in golf before. No, and I think it's important. The, the team element um, is designed so that fans can become impassioned. I think it's a little easier to to become tribally associated with a team than it is with an individual. Um, but it's also about generating the content that everybody, I think, might like to see. Um, so of the four players per team, the team principal will have to pick two scores each morning before they go out. That's interesting. It's, yeah, those scores will count towards the team championship. So you're going to have a situation where the team principal will be asked, right, who have you picked today? And then why? And there'll be a reason. You know, it could be course setup. It could be how the guy's feeling. Um, that's interesting. It is. And then you go on. So, so if the principal picks a player for the team that day, yep. said player plays horrendous. Yep. The other player from the team who hasn't been picked plays amazing. Yep. Their score won't count towards the team. Correct. Wow. And it, it, That's going to be exciting. It's jeopardy. Um, but it's also, you know, I want to hear the guy who shot the 65 or the 66 come off and say, well, I told you you should have picked me because he went out and shot a 74. Now, the reason it matters, and this is also key because seasonal narrative, making sure that we as fans are engaged from start to finish, every single shot counts. So you've got a situation where one guy is picked and he's playing badly. Mm-hmm. You're interested in that. You're also interested in the dynamic between the team members for the guy who wasn't picked. At the end of the day, the team principal might have made a bad mistake, and the bad mistake counts because where you end up after 17 events as a team will determine how you go into the playoffs. So the playoffs will be a weekend, $40 million purse, um, a true spectacle. No matter, on a global sporting stage, it'll be big. That's how we'll end off the season. But if you finish top of the league after 17 events, you get a bye, you're through to the second round. But because you're seeded one, you get to pick who you play against as a team, and you get to pick the order in which they go out. So it's a genuine advantage to getting the decision right every day, three days per tournament throughout the entire season because it gives you that advantage going into the playoffs. Okay. <laughs> it sounds a lot of pressure for the, t- the team principal a player as well. Well, Or would it be like a, a manager as such? Yeah, what? so obviously you have team principals in Formula One yeah. and some of them are well known. Um, I should imagine that the players, whilst they're truly competitive will probably allow some... Well, they'll want somebody else to take that Yeah, on. they don't want that pressure of playing and thinking about how one of their teammates yeah. is playing that they didn't pick. And it's almost like a playing... It, can it be a playing captain or someone who sits off the sidelines and mm. you know manages to some description? It'll be it'll be their choice. So, so far, yep. I mean, that was a lot to digest. Yeah, yep. You did well to explain that. Okay. So you're saying that's six years of planning, building up. Yeah. You know, that's... Uh, you've probably been living and breathing... The World Golf, you know, Premier Golf League for all this time. Yep. And to summarize it, mm. it's a World Golf Tour, right? Yeah. It, you're going to travel around the world. Yeah. It's 18 events. Yes. With the best players in the world playing week in, week out on those 18 events. Yep. It goes from January to August. Yes. So then there's a genuine off season. Yeah. Where golf will be somewhat missed in the Premier Golf League. Right. I do think that's important. Um, it was important to me when I said, t- t- this came from a blank piece of paper. Um, and it's a, it was a flight of fancy. Just give yourself the opportunity because I'm, yeah, 
first and foremost a fan. Um, and, you know, around 2014, Tiger was missing from the game for a period of time. Um, and they've been talking talk about a world tour, of course, um, from the time when Greg made his attempt back in 94. I was going to say, this is not, nothing new. It has no. been potentially proposed in the past. Yeah. And I, I got to know some senior executives in the game um, on a pro- professional basis just because of the work I was doing. And over that period of 18 months, I got to learn an awful lot about the game and its politics. Um, and I found that it was such a good experience because I was a fan. As a fan, when you walk into the inner sanctum, you can sometimes think, oh, I thought it was... thought it was different. I thought it was different. Um, so I sat down with these guys, having got to know them, and I said, just casually, uh, over a drink one night, you've got to do the world tour, please. You know, why haven't you done it yet? Um, and the answer was, and I won't give you the precise words, um, but it will never happen. And it won't ever happen because of the... 30 or 40 years of vested interest that have been built up and the competition. Um, and, of course, the European Tour and the PJ Tour were you know, neck and neck. They were comparable up until 97. I do think we need to come on to PJ Tour and European Tour in a bit, but, yep. yeah, so they were neck and neck. So when it dawned on me that the game probably wasn't going to move ahead in the way that fans wanted it to, I tell you what, I didn't for one moment think that I would be sitting here now talking to you. All I did was take the opportunity to say, right, if you had the opportunity to start again, what would you create? Um, it became a minor obsession with me. Um, and as I recall, I started writing, and then I think I stopped three days later, and I'm not entirely sure I slept during the three days because I started to compare golf to every other major sport um, and was able to pinpoint moments in time where sport moved on. And that's in F1, it's in tennis, it's... There are numerous examples. Because it does sound very much Formula One yeah. style, having you know, and the way it's been put and together. And like an individual that you would follow. Exactly. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> I understand that idea in Formula One. Yep. It's just that it's so you know revolutionary in golf. It's almost like, whoa, that's because that's a big thing. It's that, yes, you've got your individuals going out week in, week out. But I don't know. I, you know I'm a fan of golfers, but I'm not a die-hard fan of golfers you know yeah. if i just want to watch good golf mm-hmm. where this almost blends those two interests i want to watch great golf yeah but also i'm intrigued in following potentially a team or a player because yep. that that kind of keeps you invested in the tournaments and if it's 18 events and then you could imagine the off season the where only the only thing the only concern i'd have is if i follow a team and i've got a favorite player or favorite yep. players and there's 18 events that all sounds great but Will I still be able to see my favourite player play in the Masters and put the green jacket on? Well, that's, um, of course, the majors mm-hmm. are entirely separate from the rest of golf. So you could still so this do... doesn't separate, this doesn't stop the majors? Not in any way. Because I think that's such a, you know, I've seen little bits, of, you know, because this is the only opportunity you've sat down and be able to actually talk yeah. about this, which yeah. is key. And there's been so many rumours, speculation, you know, potentially probably you'll see it from truth and, and yeah, not truth yeah, that's been put out there. The majors, you're saying, will not be touched from what you're looking into. So, as I, as I keep going back to it, we're fans. Um, we appreciate what the majors are to the game. Um, the t- term I've used in the past is sacrosanct. They're beyond that. They don't need me to tell anybody how special they are. Um, they also determine, of course, 
who plays in their events, and each has a different set of criteria. So when you ask me, will the players be able to play, um, that's really down to the those who operate the yeah. event. Um, and I, you know, I, I'd find it odd if they decided to exclude players who are playing on the league. But, but there's, um, there's going to be no Premier Golf League event on in the middle of April, for oh example. No. no, in fact, the way that the, sh- the schedule is proposed will put the guys in situ. So we know that they want to have the time to acclimatise and the, the schedule. They are, at, when I say sacrosanct, they are. And it, in, indeed, you know, I'm not saying they can get better because they're as good as they can be, but also the majors then become the time when those who play on the Premier Golf League come together with the rest. Mm-hmm. So if anything, they're lifted further up. Um, you know, tennis had this when they formed the ATP 1000 series, which was designed and it was sponsor-driven to get the best players to commit to playing a particular schedule just so that fans knew where they were going to play. Um, you've got those which are best of three sets, and then they transition into the slams. The slams, of course, are the equivalent, and you play best of five. Um, so it already works. There is the precedent set, and that's exactly how we see this. Obviously, this Premier Golf League needs players. Mm. What's that been? What's the process been like so far? I'm guessing you've spoke to a number of the world's best players. Uh, yes, I think that's, as a result of the last 10 days, become known. Um, this is really, we have, we have done everything that we could and should have done to present the opportunity. And that's all that this has been about. So it started with the idea of what would we like to see. Um, I must confess, you know, we then probably, I, was, I spent the first period of time waiting for somebody to tell me, no, move on, um, this is never going to work. But we started. And did that happen? Do you know, in six years, it hasn't happened once. Um, I first became interested in the views of those who fund the sport, and they are the sponsors. Um, so we went round and we canvassed the views of those who, without, without whom the sport would be very different. Um, and we listened to them. And we said, you know, are you happy? If you're not happy, what aren't you happy about? Um, and a couple of themes came back. And the first theme was not knowing where the best guys are going to play, which is something you get as a fan because you can get caught up in a story and then you wonder, well, why isn't he there that week? Mm. When am I going to see him next? Yeah. That goes back yeah. to your point, Guy. Um, this enables you to see the best player, the, the guy you want to see every single time because um, they're only 48 on the course. So they're all getting filmed. I think. And are, are they locked in to play in the events? So that is really the, the gist of this. Um, if, if we didn't get the strong impression from funders and broadcasters that this is something that they wanted, we would have stopped. Mm. We've got to know we've built relationships with a lot of people in the game. And I mean a lot of people. I'm not going to talk about them today, and I might never talk about them. But at every single stage, we wanted people to understand that the motivation for this was principally to deliver an, an alternative that maybe more fans could get behind. So when I talk about the funders and the broadcasters, they're aligned with us. We want as many people to watch this sport as possible because we believe that there is um, a connection between the number who will watch and the number who will actually play it. Um, we take a 30, 50, 70-year view 
of the health of the sport. Um, this is in the best interest of the game, as far as we're concerned, if more people watch it. And to get more people to watch it, you've got to create your best possible product every single time you go out. Don't leave people wondering or feeling disappointed. That goes back to the three days. I had the experience years ago in two consecutive tournaments where I was following an individual who I particularly wanted to see play golf, and he missed the cut both weekends. And you can, you can sense the drop when a star of that nature yeah. is missing. I've been in that situation myself. Yeah. I have. I've been to tournaments where I've set out to, oh, yeah, I'm going on, you know, Sunday or a Saturday. Yeah. And I can't wait to see that player. Unfortunately, has a bad Friday or a yeah. Thursday and Friday. Which can happen. Suddenly he's not there for the weekend. And it, there is a, there's like an air of flatness sometimes, certainly when it's the big, big guys. Yeah. Like, you, you walk around going, oh, what would happen if... Yeah, you've missed the show. You know. And this is... This and goes people by- are paying a lot of money to go to the events. People yeah. are paying a lot of money to watch the events people mm. are paying a lot of money to sponsor the events and yet those headline players can sometimes be missing well, that's it so when when we started the conversation with the funders we said we want to know where the guys are going to play um and also if they turn up we don't want them going home early and then as a third you know a lot of these are multinational brands and they would like to be able to convey their message because the reason they sponsor golf is because they're trying to convey their message to the fans of golf and golf has got for the time being a very strong and attractive demographic i mean it hasn't been growing as it should and it's it's been aging on Mm. average um but it's a very attractive demographic you understand why the money pours into the sport it's to reach those guys um so they know as the guys who fund it that that you need to have the best possible product and that's not just taking the top 48 golfers from the official world golf rankings it's also about making sure they're the most entertaining mm-hmm. um, because entertainment is key and you know when I'm on a golf course as a fan and wherever I go and I've been traveling a lot I always take the opportunity to just get out on the course and watch and I'm not I'm 48 years old and I'm not the oldest there <laughs> in fact you know being at a live golf event is somewhere where as a 48 year old you can actually start to feel quite young <laughs> in relative terms. Now, that's, that's what we are hoping to address. To change that. Yeah, because it's the 16-year-old right now um, who needs to have a reason to start to believe and believe that you know, they can become impassioned about this. You can do that because, you know, the morning stuff, the picking of the teams, the team rivalry. It's something that F1 does particularly well. And I'm, you know, I've been along and I've been in the pits and I've had the, the world-class experience. And it's great. But, you know, what the key is, the race is finished. It's then what happens between driver and driver or team yeah. and driver. They manage to keep the, the attention of the audience through to the next event. There's, more, there's almost more storylines to some degree. Yeah. Um, and that kind of leads me on to, I, I like the idea of the team format. I think mm. it's different. But... In terms of the teams, like obviously with F1, a lot of the teams, or I think all the teams, I don't really follow F1, but a lot of the teams are, are the car, obviously, manufacturers. Who, yeah. who do you see the teams kind of being? Is it going to be club manufacturers or brands or um, other commercial partners? I'll be honest. Because of the, the precedent that Formula One was, in my mind, seven years ago, it was a straight read-over. So you go, okay, you've got Mercedes and Ferrari, you've got TaylorMade Callaway. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where this began uh, until 
they started to listen to the playing side and actually no it was decided well you know if these guys are are going to be interested in doing this they are masters of their own destiny that's where that value should go um so they won't be manufacturer driven um they'll become brands in their own right and i do know that there is already a very strong appetite from people you might recognize those who are associated with the game are extraordinarily successful individuals who would like to be part of the ownership of a, of a team you see it in football um premier league you see it nfl you see it nba you've now you will within golf have the opportunity for you know truly obsessive fans of the game to to get that close to the action and that will bring another layer of um personality and personality is what will drive the engagement of as far as we're concerned the younger the younger audience so how many teams was it again 12 12 teams so let's just say mm. hypothetically yep if i had the backing and had this i could own the team um, it, is it almost as much as that or is it, it yeah in due, if, in due course um is it the players that are going to own own the team potentially i say potentially because um yeah, there's been a lot of speculation in the press this only happens if everybody wants it to happen and when i say everybody i mean yes the best players in the world but also the fans and also the funders and yeah, we'll come on to what what we might be able to do with other tours um that's how this happens and in the first instance yeah, we will look to ensure that the best players in the world have the opportunity to own a franchise if they don't want to uh, we will move on but that is where this will begin the only question I have with that then would be obviously the players that you're going to attract are going to be the best players in the world so if one of those best players has a franchise yep. are two or three other guys who are also in their own right amazing players going to want to mm. play under that umbrella of such a body's team you know, and they're not going to feel like they're due their own team or they want to they want to almost represent another person so this is um, the opportunity to get into the weeds but on that there will be a, a shared ownership pool so because these are corporate entities um, we have the ability to create a pool in which other players will participate and that pool will have a share of each franchise now the importance of that is that you can take the, the list of ownership down to 36 guys, 48 if you want to. Um, they get to share in the value, but you don't want to limit the transfer market. So you can have younger guys in the pool, and because they have a stake in all 12 franchises via this holding company, they, they can then move. What you don't want to do is tie some guy in to a franchise now where he might want to go and take a better deal somewhere else down the line. So would there be a, a, like a transfer like window then, like in football? And soccer? Will, as, yes, if wow. this all comes to pass, um, you're going to have a draft system at the end of each season. Um, you'll have promotion and relegation. Now, promotion where from, but we will offer. Obviously, it's important, and this is, it's already appeared in discussions that we haven't been involved in online, but certainly with the playing side. You want to be able to refresh the pool. You want to give people the aspiration to get up and to participate at that level. Um, so you need a draft. You need to have a system which fairly regulates. So if you haven't had a particularly good season, you could be in jeopardy. Um, you'll find yourself back in the playoff. But that's no, we haven't spoken about that. That's another part of this. You get past the draft system, and then, in, then you're into an open transfer market. Um, so whilst we 
should we come to pass, we will not be front and centre of people's minds from a competitive in-your-face every weekend. Even during that closed period, you get to keep the interest levels because people should, I would imagine, be interested. That would be interesting. Well, that, <clears throat> that's it. It's that transfer market, as Guy mentioned, with soccer football that you are yeah. interested in. Yeah. So right now, yep. how many players are in? How many have signed on the dotted line? Uh, so the answer is none because we haven't asked any to yet. Okay, so is that going to come at a point in time? Yes, if it, I've explained it to the guys that we've been talking to. And bear in mind, we've been talking to their representatives mainly, but over a lengthy period of time. Um, this is an opportunity. We are presenting a choice. Um, it's their choice. And if they decide that they want this to happen, then what we have done over the last six years is to build an extraordinarily capable platform of experts so that the business, in terms of every single question you would ever want answered, um, we've now, for the last two and a half years, we've partnered with a group out of the US called Rain, um, probably regarded and certainly by us as one of the best, if not the best, investors and advisors in, in sports and media globally. Um, so two and a half years of these conversations will come to a point in the next probably handful of weeks um, where the players get to make the choice and that's all that this is about and you think that's when it's looking so we've not touched on this yet and maybe yeah. we should have done looking to launch this tour in what year you know what's the when yeah. is it so what we're looking to do is january 2022 Okay, so it's a couple of years out. Yeah. So as much as, and again, I think we have to talk about this. Yeah. There's been players that have spoke about it. Yeah. Some publicly and some have just, you know, either brushed it at the moment. Yes. Some seem very interested. Yeah. I think it'd be wrong to not talk about the world number one, Rory yes. McIlroy, yep. who just two days ago has said it's not for him. Yeah. Can you discuss? Yes. Um, where do I start? So... I found it fascinating, and he really made me think, because I'm no different from anybody else. Rory speaks, and lots of golf fans tend to listen, um, and that's because of who he is. You know, he is exceptional. Um, he's exceptional on the course. He's compelling. You know, when you see him going on a run, you can't take your eyes off it. Um, but he's also exceptional as an individual. Uh, so. As I say, I listened and thought, okay, that's very interesting. Um, it was interesting probably from a couple of points. Uh, he talked about being on the right side of history. And I thought to myself, yeah, <laughs> we, we, all want to be on the, we all want to be on the right side of history. Um, that's what we've spent the last six years hoping that we might become. Um, he talked about uh, Arnold Palmer and his participation in the conversation back in '94 where Greg was proposing a world tour. Um, now, the thing that first struck me then was I was thinking, wow, actually, you know, I have a completely different view of Arnold Palmer's history because when I think of Arnold Palmer, the king, I think, well, he's one of the guys who created one of the most fundamental schisms in golf back in 68. You know, it was him coming together with other greats, including Jack Nicklaus, that led to the formation of the PGA Tour, which was a breakaway so that was the top 200 players breaking away from 27,000 other professional golfers because all professional golf in the States was controlled by the PGA of America up until that point. 
So he actually took it upon himself with a group of guys to say, I'm going to make this better. So that was Arnold Palmer to me. Then if you read Dean Beeman's book, um, which is you know, a very interesting read, he and Jack were part of a group that nearly broke away from the PJ Tour back in 84. Um, so he, he was active. He wasn't only one of the best players the game has ever seen, but he was active in forcing the game to move on. Um, and then by 94, you know, I, I've just listened to what Greg has said, but Arnold was apparently in the room. And when he realized what the conversation was about and where it was going, he said, you know what, completely understand it if you guys want to have this conversation. But I'm going to step out. Now, at that time, he was 65 years old. He'd done it once, and he'd nearly done it twice. And at the same time, he was talking about this creation of the Golf Channel, which was the next, I should imagine, chapter in his life. Um, so that was my view. Everyone has a different view on history, and you know, we will all be judged. You know, this could be forgotten about in a few weeks' time. Um, or it could, and this is the reason we're doing this, in 30 years' time be looked back upon as the change that was good for the game and made it stronger. Now, the second point, which I have spent a lot of time thinking about, was the autonomy issue. He did mention that quite a lot. Yeah, and do you know what? I'm not surprised because it is, it is prized amongst all professional golfers, the ability to decide what you're going to do when you want to do it. Um, but that is the fundamental. When you go back six years ago, to why we started to do this as a fan. Now, I, I want to know where Rory's going to play. And if I'm going to tune in every week, I'd love to watch Rory play. And you know what? Right now, if he was playing within the Professional Golf League and I had anything to do with it, I'd be getting him out alongside Brooks Kupka every, every weekend because that's what I want to see as a fan. I'd like to see those two guys go head-to-head. And there isn't another sport that is... Uh, has a global status, which allows its best talent not to compete. Yeah, that, that's, more often. that's a good point. From somebody, you know, I am obviously a golf fan, mm. and I've got to the point now where I don't watch that much golf. Truth be told, bar the majors, the Ryder Cup, and, and the odd event here or there, depending yep. on who's doing well and whatnot. I will put golf on sometimes on a Thursday and a Friday, and I kind of don't know who to expect to see. Sometimes the big big guys are there, sometimes they're not, and it does confuse me a little bit I must say as a fan and if I'm honest I, ju- I do want to watch the best players yeah. you know if yeah. I am going to have a choice I want to watch the best players competing against each other all the time and I think that's going back to your point that's why we watch the major championships why yeah. we watch the Open the Masters the Ryder yeah. Cup because we want to see the best players like we see in other sports yeah. like we see in F1 and tennis and, and football soccer we see the best players matching yeah. up against each other majority of the time does and this is I think it's a, a, a very important question to mm. ask does this continue if Rory doesn't get involved? Um, well, it, as I say, it's the decision of a much larger collective. Um, I was probably a little confused at the end of listening to what Rory had to say because you know, the first thing that came through to me were the headlines. He's out, death knell, etc. Um, obviously, that's not the way I feel because I'm sat here talking to you. Um, you know the the Mark Twain quote, the uh, rumours of the PGL's death have greatly exaggerated. Um, this isn't about an individual. Um, 
I did. I wasn't entirely sure what I'm out meant, um, but all I would say is that this is a conversation. Now, I've barely spoken to Rory over the last six years. Um, I haven't had the opportunity to have the discussion about the things that matter to him. I have with others. Um, this is a, this is a conversation that is is be, is intensifying now, but it's a conversation that you know, we are the catalyst for. Um, we didn't want to be out in the public domain. We wanted to have it discreetly. And if at the point in time where we said to the players, do you want to do this? They'd said no. You'd, you'd have never heard about it. Um, this is now playing out on a public stage. It's not, a, it's not as a result of anything we've done. The story was broken um, by somebody else. Now that that debate is happening, do you know what? I feel actually this pre- pre- presents an opportunity for that conversation. There should be others in it. There should be fans involved in it. There should be sponsors. There should be broadcasters. There should be other bodies in the sport. Because this is meant to be the creation of the top of the pyramid. Um, we talk about the breakaway that became the PGA Tour. The European Tour was a, was a similar breakaway. You then talk about the breakaway of the top 22 football clubs in, in England who walked away from the Football League's control um, which was a 92-strong group of clubs. That these things occur, and they're designed to make it better. Now, when the Premier League was formed, probably a lot of people, and I'm um, unfortunately a, a strong fan of a club that is not in the Premier League, um, at the time I do remember thinking, well, what's this going to do to everybody else? By creating a better product right at the top of the pyramid, more money flowed into the game, more interest, and what was the second division, now the championship became stronger. That's the principle behind this. Um, it will only happen if it's what the fans want. You know, if the reaction to this on Twitter or everywhere else is, do you know what, don't bother, we just won't. It's mixed at the moment. Mm. We did a poll on Instagram just last night. This is crazy. And um, near over 3,000 people have voted on Premier Golf League, and that's just in... Less than 20 hours. Right. And it was just a few top line of the fact that it was going to be 18 tournaments with three days, no cut, best players in the world, playing week in, week out. And I said, do you like it? Thumbs up. Yeah. Do you not like it? Thumbs down. Right now, and yeah. I'll just get an exactly accurate number right now, which is crazy. Let me just pull this up. Right now, it's on 50-50. I'm not sure if we can pick that up on a camera. It's literally 50-50 on votes. Hmm. Thumbs up, thumbs down. I'm not sure if that can be picked up. And that's over... It's over 3,000 people have voted now. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, this is, let's say, post Rory McIlroy's comments. It'd have been interesting to do that, a similar poll, maybe before Rory's, whether that swayed any persuasion or not. Yeah. It would have been interesting. I've got to say, um, I just got off a flight from LA uh, when Jeff Shackelford's piece appeared um and i you know i was severely jet lagged and i thought oh here we go um now that as i said is something that we wouldn't have chosen to do because we're far more discreet than that but um what it has done is it has given us the opportunity because yeah, there are people out there who track these things um there have been i think three and a half thousand articles written um thus far there are sentiment readers of what is going on online. Um, I've got to say I've been surprised and delighted 
by the response. I was going to say, what do you even think of that? Of that fifty-fifty? Well, that's, you know, that's quite. A, it's a cut through. I mean, how does that make you feel? It, it, it. Do you know what? It makes me feel as though the last six years haven't been a waste of time. Okay. Um, and you know, the reason I'm sitting here now is not because I particularly enjoy speaking into a microphone. What? It is. <laughs> that's the only reason you <laughs> we're here right now. <laughs> it is solely so that. We've, we've been listening to the questions. Um, we've listened to the, well, you know, who are the guys behind it? Um, there are lots of people in the game who know who's behind it. There are lots of people in broadcast in the US. Yeah, we haven't been hiding from that part of the world. Um, we haven't been hiding at all. We just, we're not relevant, really. There's a, all, my view was always this is not about any individuals. This is about what's good for the game. And the debate that then began to rage, if rage isn't too strong a word, but the interest in this, the question that you've asked there, everybody started to have a view. And that is utterly brilliant because, you know, go back to Augusta last year and golf was a huge topic of discussion and it was breaking out of its ordinary channels. That's happened to a degree with golf now. Um, And I believe that the debate that our existence causes is healthy as i say if it's not viewed as something which is in the best interest of the game long term it's something that the fans are not interested in um don't want to see happen the players will start to get this feedback now we are aware that they have been also following this the sentiment um and i think you know although it wasn't planned it's i'm probably grateful i was going to say if you could have done it differently would you have stayed discreet yeah, and we'd have probably looked to control the message. You know, we've, mm. we've, we are, uh, people have talked about how much um, financial backing we have. Yes. We need to come on to that at some point, definitely. Yeah, we've got a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you've, you've needed to, I guess. Yeah. Just a quick one, just before, so there's a couple of points I want to go on. Yep. We've talked about Roy McIlroy. Yep. There's a man we need to talk about, mm-hmm. I think it'd only be fair, Tiger Woods. Yeah. Have you spoke to him? Have you had any feedback? I think not only we want to know, I think everybody listening and watching also want to know. Do you know what? I can appreciate that everybody would like to know. Um, would you forgive me if I just treat all player matters as entirely confidential? Okay. Because, as I say, we haven't asked anybody to make a decision. Um, part of the conversation we've been having with players and their representatives is actually about how we will genuinely look to work with other uh, with other tours um that is part of the conversation and it's not until we're through those conversations that we will have a view and then we will say to the guys is this something you want to do or not um is okay. that is that too I th- well <clears throat> obviously yeah. i'm guessing there's loads of negotiations going on behind the scenes and loads of talks I'm, I'm guessing you're meeting agents every other day phone calls you know crazy your phone must be on 10 percent charge all the time (laughs) you brought up a topic there which i think we need to talk about yeah the pj tour yes and the european tour yeah with the premier golf league how do the pj tour and the european tour exist what's your thoughts okay so if you were to go back to the original documentation i'm talking six years ago um it said that we would this was ultimately driven towards an holistic approach to the structure of the game and recognizing that there are various parts of the game that are absolutely essential 
PGA Tour, European Tour, Asian Tour, and all the way down to the bottom of the pyramid because that's how we were looking to create the integral structure, the strength. Um, that has not changed. And I, you know, we, the first official release we put out, we said, no, we just want to clarify one thing. We intend to work with, collaborate with other tours. Um, I know that the reaction to that was, yeah, whatever. Of course, they'll say that. But we're creating a lot of value. Um, the value can be shared. Our view is that we would like everybody to be involved in this. And you know, if that were to involve subsidies, a share of equity value, uh, a share of a commercial joint venture relationship so that you can start as a sport to approach um, media and sponsorship on a collective basis. Um, it is our intention, strong desire, to achieve collaboration with PGA Tour, with the European Tour. Um, ideally, we'll be in a situation where we can at least discuss that in the coming weeks. Um, there is no reason, as far as I'm concerned, why that shouldn't happen. Uh, there have been various people who have tried to uh, arrange those conversations over the last 12 months, and they haven't happened, and I can understand why not. You've not spoke with the PGA Tour, European Tour? Um, so, again, just from a point of view of confidentiality, um, I'd prefer not to go into that detail. If the people who've been speaking to us can choose whether they want to have those conversations um, aired. It's not, up, it's not up to us to do so. Your door is open and you're willing to I communicate. Would, yes, and I, I will say, just I don't want to create the wrong impression by omission, I haven't spoken to the PGA Tour. Um, and I did see a letter that uh, was sent to the players where I think in the first paragraph it said, by the way, they've never approached us. And there was a reason for that because I thought I knew the answer. <laughs> um, if, this come, if this moves forward and it's the will of the players and the funders that this should happen, then I could see a scenario in which we can all get together and agree what is best for the entire structure. As I say, there's a lot of value to be shared. And you know, can they continue to exist? It's essential that they do um, because they're part of the fabric of the sport. You could say, well, hang on a second, but you know, the European Tour was neck and neck with the PJ Tour, as I said, up until, I think, Colin Montgomery, probably back in 94, 95, he won the European Tour Order of Merit, and he won more money than Nick Price, so I think that year won the equivalent US. And then something happened, and the something was Tiger. So by 96, he was starting to emerge, 97, and then the economics of the sport changed because he changed the dynamics. A few guys are spoken about as an icon, and he is a true icon. Um, now, the divergence in economics created a situation which you know, means that if you've got the better purses and you've got the better fields, then you're also that self-fulfilling prophecy because you're then getting the world ranking points, although there's some debate about the fairness of the allocation of them. But it almost becomes more difficult for what was a competing tour and is now the second tour to ever compete again. Um, but the fact of the matter is the best players in the world tend at the moment to spend most of their time in America. The European tour continues to exist. Um, I can see a scenario where the, the European tour could become stronger as a result of what we're doing. Um, 
where feeder rights are granted to the European tour, people stay in Europe for longer. There's not the exodus that, that currently what, occurs. What would be super interesting for me in the talking 5, 10, 15, however many years in the future would be if there's, you know... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The successful Premier Golf League. Mm. Then there was leagues below that, like we see in football. So you might have a League Two and a League Three. Because I think if the Premier League, the Premier Golf League kind of takes off and people start buying into that team format and the three days and it all, that yeah. product that becomes what people become used to, is it then going to feel quite weird watching four days of stroke playing the European Tour every week? Yeah. I mean, that, that would be, I, I think, the ideal structure um, where all nations or regions and it's really down to the fundamental question how large should the market be um i've i've read that the pga tour and the european tour should just merge and get on with it it's difficult to merge 400 odd professional golfers into one tour because you can't get 400 golfers on a golf course at the same time um so that's difficult. And when you're, when you're within a membership structure and everybody has an equal vote, then you know, if you need 75% to vote for it, the structures that were created in the late 60s made it very difficult for the sport to move on just from a practical point of view. Um, I'm not suggesting that there should be an entire restructuring all the way down to the, uh, the lowest level in the game. But the question is how many professional golfers... Does, does the world need to see? Yeah. 
It's a good point. It is again going back to other sports. How many Formula One drivers do we need? You know, how many? How many do we know? I mean, this is a really interesting topic, and it's mm. one that I've definitely seen on social media a lot. Yep. Money. Yes. In two ways, we're going to talk about it. Yeah. First off, a lot of people on social media have said the players will only go because they're going to get paid a load of millions of dollars, and that's the only reason they would go. Yeah. Uh, how? What's your take on it? Is it true? And you know, I'd just love to hear your thoughts because, again, there's lots of rumours about money. Yep. Um, but obviously, hearing it from you, it's going to come straight from the source. Yeah. So I've had this conversation in recent weeks with uh, players and or their representatives, and I've made, made it hopefully abundantly clear to them that this is not about money as far as we're concerned. Um, yeah, you, you don't sit down seven or eight years ago and think, this is what I'm going to do. And expect to make a lot of money out of it because, yeah, at that point you're thinking, well, how likely is this to happen? Mm-hmm. It was a passionate thing, as far as I was concerned. If you're doing something which is in the best interest of the game, and it's in the best interest of the game long term because you think more people will watch it and therefore more people will play, um, that is your and that is your motivation. It just so happens that what is in the best interest of the game also happens to be in the best financial interest of the the best golfers so the two things are are entirely aligned um it's been i was asked the question a long time ago you know, isn't this just a corporate takeover and the answer is no but even if it was that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing for the game because if you're driven by the desire to generate as much cash as possible which quite frankly every tour is um you're driven by the economics of the game the economics of the game are based solely upon the number of people who will tune in and watch because if they're not tuning in to watch, the sponsors aren't interested. The sponsors aren't interested. The broadcasters aren't interested. So everything comes back to the number of eyeballs that you achieve. Whilst we're doing that, we will be successful as, a, as an entity. If we're not, and that, by the way, means that we're entirely aligned with the interests of the game going forward, um, making sure that in 20 years' time, when... Know, we're all slightly more decrepit. It's those who are currently 12 to 15, 16-year-olds who've had the reason to fall in love with the game and they're replacing us. Um, so, yes, yeah, the I've listened to the debate. I've listened to No Laying Up talking about, well, in relative terms, what is that golfer worth relative to the tennis player or the the Premier League player or, you know, whatever it happens to be. And there's an argument to say that people deserve more. Again, the tagline that I've heard is, you know, the rich getting richer. Yeah. Is that, again, do you feel that the best players in the world warrant getting paid more money? It's, well, to ordinary human beings, it's it's difficult because you can't imagine the amounts. Um, but again, in relative terms... It's what an individual is capable of generating as value. Um, and uh, the top players probably f- realize that um, when the sponsorship and the broadcast dollars come in, they're largely driving that value. And it's value that's being shared by 210 members on you know, different sides of the water, so 400-odd golfers. Um, if And this is why you know, the the PJ Tour was formed in the first place. It was because the economics were being shared by 27,000 other guys. 
it's why the Premier League was formed, because they wanted to be able to control their own economics, and they broke away from the Football League to do that. Um, you know, the, it hasn't happened to the same extent in tennis, but in relative terms, golfers, not that I would ever argue this, but world-class golfers probably aren't paid what they are worth on those metrics. Mm. I mean, very large amounts of money, yes, and I would never sit down uh, over a pint and argue with any fan that anyone... <laughs> I think, any I think other that's mark. the thing with money and sport, because obviously like, professional footballers get paid ludicrous amounts of money, and everybody knows they get essentially overpaid, but ultimately... If you could have Cristiano Ronaldo at your club, you'd happily have him. And if the club pay him £400,000 a week, so be it. And it's a bit like that for me as a golf fan. Personally, it's just a personal thing. I want to watch the best product and see the best players. And I don't really care how much they win. Some people do, which I get, but I don't. No, because really. it's, it's, it's hard to, you know, as you mentioned, as you know, normal hum, human beings, we can't quantify yeah. the fact that they could put an extra zero on it. It doesn't. You know, it doesn't matter. They win one million or ten million. It's a lot for them. But I just see it like as millions <laughs> and millions, and then it goes on. I think it's more for the player what they're trying to, you yeah. know, work out from their own brands and their perspectives and their livelihoods and their careers. Yeah, and you can you can actually you know, if you choose to be a professional athlete, you're taking a huge risk because you don't know how long you know an injury, loss of form, it can be just around the corner. You're taking that risk. If that's what you're going to dedicate yourself to, um, then I should imagine the view of professional athletes around the world is, well, you know, if that's what I'm worth. And when you go back to what it's worth, sport as a, as a uh, an asset class has only been rising with the disintermediation of content. And I don't need to explain what everybody else knows. Sport is the one thing that continues to drive eyeballs. Um, you know, I'm not going to steal anyone else's strapline, but I particularly liked It's Only Live Once, yeah. when they think you'll know who that is. I thought, that's genius. And we've been partnered for the last 18 months with a division of Omnicom. Now, Omnicom are one of the, the bigger media businesses in the world. Um, and the guys that we've been working with in the U.S. are the top media buyers in U.S. sport. Um, on behalf of their clients, which include a number of the, the biggest brands in the world... They spend on average about two and a half billion dollars a year buying advertising space during live US sport. Um, and you can go and choose your content on whatever platform, but those who have the live content that people actually want to see, and it's that, you know, going back to feeling compelled, you don't want to miss it. Mm. That's why sport is a, is a special asset class. That's why we're talking about numbers which to ordinary human beings might seem quite extraordinary and, and good luck but it's because everybody like us wants to see that stuff yeah. live and if we'll want to see it it means the sponsors so you know we could all we could all argue and say that yeah there are far more deserving not me but <laughs> you know yeah. health service yeah. you know but th this this isn't a debate about socialism if there's demand mm. you yeah. know that's the big thing isn't it? Is it the demand is there yeah we uh, well, Rick put a tweet out earlier on yes. saying that he was um, spending some time with yourself, yep. and we were doing this podcast. There was a lot of interest. Mm. There was a lot of really good questions, and many of which have been answered. Which is obviously you must be doing a good job, then, Rick. Um, but what was really good? It was done a bit of tongue in cheek, but actually, I think there's something behind this. So a guy called Paul has said, 
Um, he's actually used hashtag joking, but I think it was quite good. He said, can we have walk-on music and personalised shirts like the darts? So I think there's a bit of joke in that, but that got me thinking, you know, is the potential for team strips for a different way of um, the golfers almost behaving on the golf course? And somebody else also asked, will the players be mic'd up? So if this is going to be a decision for the players, um, I love all that stuff. So the original document was everybody mic'd because personality is the key. And it was my impression that it's difficult for a golfer to convey his personality, particularly with the cap on and the glasses and um, very controlled statements. Now, I've spoken to players about this, and there are some who would be a little concerned to be mic'd up because you've, what you've had say? examples. Yeah, yeah, well, I've played with, you know... Yeah, professional golf they're, before they're and i've played with my mates before and they're guys. yeah potentially guys. now that said um you've got your network coverage which cannot be anything other than what it should be um when you've got 48 guys on a course you can film every single one of them so you can go team you can go uh, equivalent to red zone in nfl i want to watch that team yeah. or i want to watch that guy you remember conversation the earlier part you said sometimes i don't get to see my guy mm-hmm. fact of the matter is if he's not within four or five of the lead yeah. saturday sunday you're not going to see, him, see anyway. him at all um but this is where the personality comes out and when when we first started talking to guys in the u.s on the broadcast side about this years ago it was 12 teams of six 72 guys and they went why have you gone 72 and i said well it's just because it's the cut so it seemed to be the logical place to start and then they said actually from a broadcast point of view if you can take this down to 48, we can make global stars of 48. You know, we, can f- we can build a story around each individual. Plus, you can get it out in a shotgun. Now, the first two days of every tournament will be a shotgun start, which, again, from a fan's point of view, you know, I'm waiting for the guy I want to see, and there might be three or four that I'm keen to see, but they're in different halves of the draw, which also means, hang on a second, so the guy I wanted to see win this tournament unlucky because he's gone out at the wrong time the wrong side of the draw because the weather's going to change this gets them all out it means that there's no slow air or dead air you know you've got action going on all over the course and you're done and dusted in five hours now from a broadcast point of view they believe that that is as good as it gets for a fan mm-hmm. now you can you can go to shorter formats various have been tried but if you if it's important to you that you maintain the the core strength of the sport you don't change everything overnight what you do do is you make that entertainment as strong as possible um and that's that's the key driver yeah that kind of makes sense because again even if you go to a tournament live you know you, sometimes you it's actually hard you don't see much golf no like, I, i've been to opens in the past i've been to the masters in the past i've been to golf events you know all around the world and sometimes you go and it's like i kind of want to watch it but it's like when do I when do I go for it? Yeah. Like when do I when do I do you sit at one hole or do you walk around? Do, do I follow, follow my yeah. favorite player? Uh, suddenly I'm in yeah. the hospitality tent and then not watching the golf. Where if it was just five hours, yeah. that's what you're going to yeah. get. So, guy, going back to your original question uh, from your phone about the entertainment and what people can yes. wear, um, they can wear whatever they want. So, can they wear shorts? That's the big question. <laughs> <laughs> How could, that shouldn't in this day and age that shouldn't that, be the big question but the answer is yes we've actually had a tweet asking can they wear shorts like will they wear uniforms like will they wear kits so as to to generate the team identity as I was saying there are legacy deals that uh, people can continue to wear exactly what they wear if that's what they want to do 
Um, in three, five years' time, the to generate the real value within the franchises, a lot of that comes down to brand, to be regarded as a team you wear the same team kit. And that gives you also a collective bargaining ability as a, as a set of players. Also, from a sponsorship point of view, it means you're not having to put all your eggs in a single basket. You know, you, you do a deal with a guy and he's injured or he misses multiple cuts. On, and, you know, that's not the value that you're expecting as a sponsor. So, you know, could we even see teams actually wearing a kit or a uniform? How does that kind of look moving forward? Yes. So as individuals, the golfers will be able to carry on wearing exactly what they wear. Um, but I envisage a situation in three, five years' time where in order to create the true brand value of the franchise, they'll start to want to look like a team. And, of course, a team tends to wear the same kit. Um, you, I can envisage a situation where you walk onto a course and there are other people around you wearing team colours. Same team but It's, it's almost a bit... You know, um, Tavistock Cup yeah. was like... I, you know, that was... It was a perfect Team example. uniforms, because yeah. you had the different golf courses, yeah. and, and people played for a team. I mean, you, you see it in the Ryder Cup. Yeah. We need, by the way, we need to come on to Ryder... I mean, Ryder Cup, let's come on to it now. Yeah. Ryder Cup, with the Premier Golf League, does mm. the Ryder Cup... Cause it's a burning question people want to ask, does the Ryder Cup still exist with the Premier Golf League? Um, yes, is the answer. And... Um, I'm very close to some of the guys who are involved in the, in the Ryder Cup from an organisational point of view. It's quite possibly my favourite event. I'm looking forward to it already, and I will never cease to. Um, so it's not only will it, but it has to. Um, and you know, this is the, the Premier Golf League has li- little bearing on it. It stands alone, um, and it's it should never go anywhere. So out of interest. Mm. Have you spoke to the Ryder Cup and it's all, you know, what, what's the conversations like with the, the board at the Ryder Cup? How does that work? Um, I'll say that when you're talking to golf bodies, um, what they care about most are what we, is what we care about most. It's the long-term future of the game. So, of course, where you have um, Ryder Cup as an example, you've got the Professional Golf Association, the PGA, um, both here in the UK and, of course, over in the States. Um, you know, their interests are their members. And that fundamentally is also where our interest lies. Um, because we want to make sure if we are successful, there are going to be 35,000 other professional golfers who will also be more successful because more people watch, more people play. That means more lessons. It means more equipment is sold. The entire ecosystem of the sport should be stronger. As, as a, if, if we are in the best interest of the sport, all of the sport will benefit. Um, so from, from those guys' points of view, um, I'm sure they don't see us, I know they don't see us as, as in any way a threat, but if they believe that we are going to make this, the sport stronger, then that should have a natural benefit to their members. So the members of the Premier Golf League, mm. let's say in a couple of years' time, yep. they will still be eligible and be picks for Ryder Cup teams, etc. It will work in unison. Well, put it this way. Um, the guys who play in the Premier Golf League will not be our employees. They will continue to be independent contractors. Um, all we will ask of them, because it's all of, as, as I say, as fans and the sponsors, want to know where they're going to play. So we'll say, you know, if you want to play, then please you know, contract to play... 18 events a season. What you do for the other four months, and including time in between, it's your time. 
all we're asking from you is that you allow us the opportunity to tell the fans and the funders of the game where you're going to be 18 times a year. So Ryder Cup, the majors, entirely sacrosanct, but they are their own organisations. So, I mean, just a quick one on that, and again, you might not be in the position to talk about this, but players who are in the Premier Golf League, they'll still get awarded the ranking points for not only world ranking and Ryder Cup and majors and stuff. Is that Obviously, I'm guessing that's a conversation you're having at the moment, Mm. but is there anything you can tell our listeners and viewers about that right now? Uh, Yes, I mean, it is a conversation, and you can tell I'm doing my best to steer away from disclosing anything that it's, it's down to other people to discuss if they want to. What I would say is that if you understand the official world golf rankings properly, fundamentally, it is a system that was created, as I understand it, by Mark McCormack, um, handed across to a company limited by guarantee here in the UK. It has an incredible board um, of incredible people and you know the real greats of the sport. Now, what it is designed to do is to simply create a system which allows you to say, right, any professional golfer anywhere in the world that happens to be playing in a professional environment, we will rank them. And therefore, they're weighted. And a system of that type has to be, it can't be biased towards any one particular part of the world or, or one particular format. Um, it, is, it is meant to be neutral because all it is is a grading of professional golfers wherever they happen to be which is why you have the weighting system and, and, the, and the points are allocated on that basis. I would find it odd to have a, a world ranking system which is neutral, cease to recognize any of the top players in the world because they happen to be playing on a different format. I would find that odd. Um, now, I, d- I can't give you a definitive answer. Obviously, I've been asked it a lot. Um, and everybody has a has their own view particularly on the playing side because those points whilst they are relevant to us as fans they're also the equivalent of cash in some sponsorship contracts um i would very much hope that should we come to pass and there are players playing in the premier golf league that they will continue to be recognized by that system i was just going to ask um obviously i i very much doubt you can say right now but obviously there's 18 events i think you said 10 of which in the u.s yep have you guys obviously chosen the courses or the you know got courses that you want the events to be held at? The answer is we haven't chosen them. Um, I think if you go through our team and if you put the message out on your phone, where would you like? Everyone's going to have probably there'll be those names that crop up on the same list. Mm-hmm. Um, we would like there to be, and we envisage there being six courses which become permanent fixtures within the league. Now, the reason for that is that as a fan, you can become attached to a course. when, If you return there every year, be it as a spectator via um, broadcast or going live, there's a heritage that builds up and there are a lot of courses out there that would fit that. Now, we've also been approached, and as you you probably won't be surprised, but we've been approached by courses in the last 10 days. So courses that didn't know about us have inquired and said, by the way, we would love to host you. Um, so, okay, that's all well and good. But what I want to know, is it, and I'm sure the viewers and listeners want to know, is it literally a bidding war? If I've got, if I'm at a golf course and I've got a wad of money, mm. can I pay you as much money as I want to host an event? Um, no, it's not. 
So we, we, as a team, have been working on this for some time. We've got a very, um, I believe, well-thought-through set of criteria. This is about creating diversity within the playing environment. Um, when a player looks back in 20 years' time, they'll look back, first of all, on majors that they've won. Um, I would like them to feel proud about having become the champion of Premier Golf League because, as I said earlier, it, it, it will be the true test of the best. And that means you've got to be able to play in different conditions, on different types of grass, um, different environments, because there are 60-odd million golfers around the world, and our experience is different where, depending on where we're based. Um, you know, I'd like to see guys competing in uh, different environments, difficult environments, the types of environments you might get to see them play against, uh, the, the wind as much as anything else, um, but probably only once or twice a year. I'm not saying it has to be um, entirely different. I'm just saying that to mix it up and to create that level of interest. Uh, but they will be uh, the best courses in the world or, or from that category. Um, but as, as I say, a, lot amount of, a large amount of work has gone into that and it's, it's part of an ongoing process. I'm intrigued, and this, you know, this might be down the line. Obviously, you see a lot of Ryder Cup courses now that are being, you know, bespoke designed mm-hmm. to host Ryder Cups. Yep, is that something that could happen potentially down the line in the Premier Golf League? Is it going to be at golf courses that are well known, you know, reputable golf courses? Yeah, or is it going to be golf courses that are built completely bespoke? Well, um, the bespoke build is something which obviously caters for the fan primarily. Uh, so I had a, I'm sure like everybody else, wonderful time in France. Um, and it was a course that immediately lent itself to 50,000 people being on it every day. And to have a course that is capable of having that many people on it, but also where those who are present can enjoy their experience because of the the gradient. So, if you, And we are building this so that we hope the excitement that builds when the Premier Golf League comes to town or comes to your nation. Uh, that, there should be anticipation for that. It happens in Formula One. Um, the, and the, the familiarity of people knowing where they're second, that, that occasionally changes. But you be, can become sufficiently familiar as a fan with where the circus is going to move on to next. Now, I say circus because it's entertainment and people should be getting excited about it. And yes, there will be... I should imagine nations competing to have these guys come to town. Um, so the bidding part is is part of it, mm-hmm. yes, but it won't override the quality of the course that the guys are playing on. And when you talk about the discussions we're having, this is none of this is set in stone yet because nobody has signed. Even if people choose to commit, they will still get the opportunity to say, "Hang on a second, I'd rather." be there than there yeah. if you give me a choice between the two so the players may have a say in it or absolutely it, okay yeah this is we are facilitators you know nobody owns golf nobody can ever own it it's owned by all of us anyone who watches it anyone who likes to play it it belongs to us all um we are just another facilitator so we seek to do the best that we can do to create the product that yeah you know, we would like to go and 
Yeah, I think watch live. I think what that leads me on to then is it sounds like the players are going to play at golf courses that are challenging, but courses that they want to be at, which is great. It sounds yeah. like that the fans that are lucky enough to attend the events are going to be at courses that are amazing that are going to showcase the course in its best way and they can get you know really good kind of access to players and see the golf shots etc but what for the for the viewer at home then mm. how how do you see how do you see the, the golf the, the viewers consuming the media would it be traditionally on a television or do you see there being apps made around it is it going to be an online experience you know there's so many different a- a- aspects to it yeah how does that look yeah i think for, for the people listening and watching this is your opportunity to, to you know yep to, to give them an insight to what does this from a viewer from someone who loves golf yep how are they going to benefit from this this is your opportunity to okay. kind of dress it up from your side so everything that you can think of and i mean you know, because the world is evolving on an hour by hour basis in terms of media consumption and what is possible um an answer now won't actually be the answer in mm-hmm. in january 2022 because it will have moved on further um, what I will say is that there will be every opportunity. So you will, as a diehard fan of the game, if you are the guy who just likes to tune in and check out for seven hours of golf, then I'm afraid you're only going to get five. But I, I will tell you that the five hours you get will be the most entertaining that you can via your big screen. Mm-hmm. Your, what, you know, it used to be called the, the primary screen. I'm not sure it is anymore. But you will have access to that that you recognize probably the best that you've you've got on a traditional basis you then go online you can go via whatever source it happens to be from an app point of view or other streaming but you will then have the opportunity to become your own producer this goes back to there are only 48 guys who do you want to watch so you can just pick you will be able to pick because it's you know from a production point of view if you've got um a large field it's difficult particularly when fans aren't aware of where guys are going to be playing or when they're going to be playing or even when they're going out in terms of the draw. And if they're not relevant to the tournament in a traditional sense because they're not in contention, then why are you going to show them? Now, this gives you the opportunity, as I said earlier, to say, well, there's actually there are are a handful of guys who I'm particularly interested in or there's a dynamic. Now, if you then go to a different form of voice because you're sitting watching the golf... I must confess, there have been times where I've thought, come on, guys, <laughs> just, just give me a little bit more than you're giving me. Now, I can tell you the younger demographic are drawn by different things. And I say younger demographic, I'm talking probably the 12 to 18-year-olds. Now, if you give those guys the ability, guys and girls, the ability to listen to a different type of overlay. Now, it's not the type of overlay that we might sit down and choose to listen to. It's not the sort of voiceover that you would necessarily expect to hear on network. But there can be a different form because what is happening, of course, in the world of media is the choice is getting broader and broader. So if you want to listen to a slightly irreverent view where actually you know, you're of an age where you, 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 know, you can tolerate whatever the language is you hear. Now, you know, completely understand why that would not appeal to a, a large segment of golf's current demographic. But you don't choose, therefore, to go and access that content. But I tell you what, if you're 16 years old and that is your form of entertainment and you're watching the best players in the world at the same time, then why not? So you get the freedom to do a lot more with this type of format. 
So essentially, two people could be watching the same tournament but getting totally different experiences because they've chose to watch it in a different way. Yes, yeah, so, and just as an example, um, I guess the format will lend itself as well as any other to those who are interested in, in betting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the ability to, to select, for example, a fantasy team. Now, we are creating, we're taking that fantasy sport onto the course. But you know, people who already enjoy doing that will probably find it more interesting to do it within the Premier Golf League. I'm intrigued about something. Yeah. Obviously, the, the entertainment and the actual ability to consume the content in whatever way they want to, as a viewer, yep. I completely appreciate. I want to know something. Does that come at a cost? What do you mean? Does it cost the viewer to, in, to take on this level of entertainment? So it's no, it'll be no different from the existing cost of plugging into whatever media you plug into. Um, different models exist, which are sponsorship or, and or subscription-driven. Um, from our point of view, we would like to have every single golfer in the world feel as though they are part of what we're doing. And so part of our um, business will be a membership platform. And... Uh, that, of course, has the value. We wouldn't propose to charge people, but everybody who has any engagement with media um, in its less traditional sense appreciates the value that they bring to that platform. That's um, why we're here today. Uh, so there will be extraordinary interest in our audience, um, but will they be asked to pay through the nose for it? The answer is no. And that goes to, uh, together as well with ticket prices at events. Yep. Obviously, Ryder Cup majors yep. always come at a premium ticket cost. Premier Golf League, mm. where is, is that going to be a standard tournament ticket price? Is it going to be a premium? I'd love to hear your thoughts. So that is market-driven. Um, uh, there'll be, we have a strong desire to take this to the best places in the world um, where there is an extraordinarily strong fan base. But you know, there aren't that many markets around the world that necessarily plug, plug in on that basis. Um, it'll be reflective of the local market and you know, what is deemed to be good value. We want, you know, we want people to come and watch. We want them to be engaged at every single level. You don't price people out of the market um, if you want them to come. Of course. Talking about money. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's a hot topic. You yes. know, it's on social media. It yep. seems you know every time Premier Golf League gets talked about, money seems to come into the back end of it. Yep. There's two points to it. Yep. First off, backing. Yes. I'm guessing you're not funding this out of your back pocket. <laughs> How is the structure of the backing put yep. together? Yep. What is the you know? I'd love, again, I'd love to be able to tell my listeners and viewers about the backing behind Premier Golf League. Okay, so the backing behind it is diverse. Um, it involves individuals, it involves private equity. Um, there are, across the group, probably about 60 different shareholders. Uh, because, and that started off with um, friends of mine, and then it grew. Now, from, I think, the angle you're coming from is probably what's been reported in the press. Um, and that diversification now includes some they're very large groups. I mentioned um, the Rain Group earlier. The reason we selected Rain is because we regard them as the best in terms of their industry knowledge. Um, 
their own backing is exceptional. The work that they do is exceptional. And we've been working with them for two and a half years. Um, they have a 30,000-foot view, but they also truly understand the detail. And when you've worked across all sport, and that includes Premier League, the Manchester City deal they did recently, it includes NFL, it includes UFC, it includes media, they are, as a, in terms of their experience and their ability, truly exceptional. Um, and we're very fortunate to have the, the strength of partnership that we have. Another part of the group now is um, the probably the largest sovereign wealth fund in the world, um, which is the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia. And I can tell you that they are extraordinarily passionate about the game in the same way as we are. So I'm sure it's, again, a question a lot of people know. Does yep. that mean then the Premier Golf League will be ha- hosting an event in Saudi Arabia? Uh, do you know what? Nothing has been agreed yet. Um, so it's, it'll be part of the process. And... Um, I should imagine there will be an event in the Middle East, but but it hasn't been it hasn't been finally determined. Okay, so there's that side. Yep. An interesting, obviously, uh, that's another question. So all in all, mm. the funding behind it is yep. there a, is there a top line figure that you've managed to get behind the Premier Golf League? Uh, there is a top line figure, and there have been some suggestions in the press, but uh, that's a matter of matter between us and our, our finances. What I will say is that um, the backing that we have is more than sufficient. And the number of inquiries we've had from others in recent weeks who would like to support us um, has, of course, been nice. Uh, but we have sufficient backing to ensure that if, as I say, the, the players and the fans want this to happen, it will happen properly. Good answer. Pull conservative answer but you got to respect that at the moment um okay so there's there's talk about obviously the back in how does the premier golf league mm. how does golf as a whole yep. benefit from the premier golf league is there is there an incentive is there a charitable section to it yeah i'd love to hear that okay so um obviously the, the work the brilliant work that's been done by the pga tour over the years, um, from a charitable point of view, is exceptional. Um, we will have uh, 20% of our business owned by a foundation, Premier Golf League Foundation. Um, now, we believe that will generate probably well, a, a large amount of money in terms of dividends um, and also um, a large amount of value over, a, say, a 10-year period. And we could see that value being $2 billion over 10 years. That is important to us. And where that goes, we will give that decision to others. So from a golf point of view, we want that to go to benefit the game. That doesn't mean that we won't be putting more back into other formats and tours um, if that's where we get to. As I say, we want people to share in this. But... The foundation will own 20% of our business, and that will, if we are successful, result in a, a $2 billion annuity, um, pen, a, a pot that will go to charitable causes within 10 years. So effectively, to grow the game, to go back into golf, to you know give potentially young golfers the opportunity to yeah. get into golf, to fund coaching in deprived areas, to build golf in, in areas that aren't you know known for golf at the moment. That's yeah. the kind of Yes, the but plan. as I say... That will be a decision made by others. Um, 
we and that's I believe how we can start to weave in the other key elements of the game because we, we want that to be shared and we want this to provide the opportunity for those to come together and say well this you know there have been so many different initiatives since 2014 when there was concern that grew and you you had all these different strap lines appear um I'm aware of those initiatives, and to me, they don't look very joined up. They're all pushing in the same direction, but uh, this pre- presents golf with another opportunity to come together and make sure that is done on a truly joined up basis. Um, and you know, turning that into a, uh, an, adu- an, an annuity that goes to benefit those who require it um, is, is important to us. I mean, it sounds good. I think that's that's a key. I think that is a key element. I do honestly. Yeah. Andy, we're taking up loads of your time. Yeah, we appreciate. It. Thanks so much. For, and I'm sure you know the listeners and watchers of, of this. That, you know, really, you know, in, to hear it from you is so you know different, and be able to quiz you on it and to be able to pick your brains, which is great. Yep. We asked on Twitter before some questions. Okay. We're going to fire through them pretty quickly. Okay. So the first one from Sophie Walker: Will there be a women's uh, Premier Golf League? Yes, I would hope so. Um, we've had conversations which... Uh, we've been asked the question by some of those involved in running women's golf. Well, you know, could we do this? The answer is absolutely. Would would we support it without question? Um, and you know, if, if I think it should happen as soon as it possibly can. Um, do you almost see it, see it sitting alongside the Premier Golf League? i.e. same venue, same, you know, ladies, men, absolutely playing together, yeah. competing potentially together. I, I, can, I can see that in due course in terms of competing together. And I've, I've been to events where it's happened and I find it very entertaining. Um, I'd say as a bare minimum, the same course, you know, if, if golf is coming to town, then why not have um, the equivalent women's format prior to or, or post from a cost point of view it makes a lot of sense um, and that's that's been one of the things that has been put to us uh, I can see it benefiting women's the women's game profession the professional game a lot in the near future um, it's just something that we we, we started down uh, the men's side because quite frankly that's enough to <laughs> enough to take on um, but we'd be delighted to have that conversation progress great I don't know if this is good or bad, but I literally think we have answered every question that we had on Twitter. Wow. So and by the way, that wasn't, we just had one question. Yeah. <laughs> no. That was the fact we had loads of questions, but yeah. I think throughout the, the process of this podcast, I think so you've answered so much and gone into detail and you've been very honest. I mm. felt like the actual chat here has been super honest. Yeah. It's the fact that this is the first time you've, you know, been able to speak publicly about it all yep. it wasn't the plan to go in front of the cameras and the lights and the microphones but no. you've been brave enough to do so and I think it's the right time to do so like you mentioned and you know, like I say it might have been forced a little bit but it works Yeah, I just want to finish on one thing then yes. this is the last one people listening people watching that may be sat on the fence yep. or you know so I think there's a, like I saw on that Twitter, Instagram poll it's 50-50 yep. your last kind of wrap up how can the people that are maybe sat on the fence or are an ha- absolute no, what's your kind of message to those guys to finish off this? Um, the message is we're only doing this because we believe it's what 
we as a fan base want. Um, and hopefully this will have given people a, a, a better understanding because it's, it's the motivation which is key. Um, if you're doing things for the right reasons, it doesn't actually matter whether it happens or not. It will only happen if enough people believe. And you know, that's why I took this opportunity um, because I want people to truly understand and come to their own view. And if, you know, in due course, the feedback is, do you know what, we're, we're just entirely happy the way things are, that's great. You know, I, we, will, we will then move on. This doesn't have to happen. It should only happen if everybody or a sufficient number believe that it's in the best interest of the sport. Fantastic. And then when will we know more information about players being put a little bit more on the spot about this is the decision-making time? Is there a date in mind um, for the viewers and listeners? So I would say that you will only know and should only know the view of any player once they decide to make their view known. Um, if any of them want to come on the podcast, you've got my number. Okay. <laughs> also, anyone that's listened to all the way through, please rate the podcast five stars. Yeah, thanks that so much. Uh, Andy, thanks so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. I think we've got so much information about this. It's been incredible. Good. Guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Um, and I'm excited. I'm intrigued. Mm-hmm. I am in camp. I want it to succeed, but I'm also a little bit like... It'll just be fascinating to see how it all turns out. Yeah, I wish you all the best of luck. Thank I hope you. everything goes to plan. And I look forward to seeing golf at the best level with the best players week in, week out. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, thanks so much for listening and watching, everybody. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.